because first of all, I can be glad for that because when they said it, I had to be alive to hear it. Amen. Oh, I wish I had a witness in here. I had to be alive to hear it. That means God has blessed me to see one more day. That means also he gave me a portion of my health because that means I was able to hear. Amen. I wish I had a little help in here. God has given me my faculties and not only did I hear it, get this, that means I had a good portion of my mind. I hadn't lost my mind yet because I understood it when they said it. So God blessed my mind. He blessed my body. He allowed me to be here just one more day. And that is a reason to be thankful. I said that is a reason to be thankful. The reason to be thankful and give God the praise and the glory and the honor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I thank Lord and I praise the Lord for just one more day. Amen. We're going to go quickly to the word of the Lord if you will follow us. And I'm going to need you to follow us today because we have a few scriptures that we want to share. All this month of March, we've been sharing from our expectation series. And we're going to continue to do that on this morning. But we're going to read a few scriptures into your hearing this morning. So you'll need to follow us. Initially, we're just going to start in Hebrews 11 and 1. But I'm also going to go to Isaiah 6 and 1. 1 Samuel 30 and 6, 2 Kings 19 and 4, 14, and then 1 Kings 19 and 19. The last two will be in 1 Samuel 17 and 26, and then finally we will end in Luke 1 and 41. Amen. They will all be on our screen, so if you lost, you'll be able to catch up. Amen. But we're going to go to several scriptures on this morning. And God gave us a special word for this morning. And we want to share it with his people and gave us several examples. Those, th those other scriptures that I gave you, they're not separate messages. <laughs> they're just examples of what God wants us to share on this morning. But we're going to start initially in Hebrews 11 and 1. Hebrews 11 and 1 reads like this. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Heavenly Father, Lord, touch our hearts and our minds in these few destiny moments. Lord, let us recognize the import of this moment. Let our heart and our spirit and our mind, everything about us be open and receptive to what you have to say to us right now. Lord, allow your word to push us towards promises, your promises, Lord. Lord, to propel us along the path of destiny that you've designed for each and every one of us. But most of all from this moment, do not allow us to leave unchanged. In Jesus' name, amen, and God bless you. Our thought for this morning is examining the evidence. Examining the evidence. We get that from our primary text there in Hebrews 11 and 1, which says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Somebody say evidence. So today, I'm going to try to help you to examine the evidence, to examine the evidence. In fact, the question that we, we have out there is, are any of you in a place where you're trying to make a big move and you're looking for a sign as what to do? Some of you are in your life right now, you're in a place where you're looking to make a move and you're looking for a sign as to what you should do. 
And what I want to do is give you a few examples from the Bible to show you how these people use the evidence that God sent in their direction, and it may come in different forms, but they use the evidence to determine their next move. They use the evidence to see whether or not they were following the path that God had designed for each and every one of them. And the first thing, first place I want to start is in Isaiah 6 and 1. Isaiah 6 and 1 says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Sometimes you have to look for evidence even in the midst of loss. Sometimes loss is a marker for you to examine the evidence in your life. Sometimes it's a watershed moment in your life where God is trying to show you something. I'm experiencing loss, but in the middle of this loss, God is trying to show me something. And and, and you don't have to raise your hand, but I know some of you are in that space right now. You're learning the lesson of loss, and I've told you in every level there is a lesson. And we must learn the lesson of that level if we desire to go to where God has us to go next. You can't pass that class. You can't go to another level until you've learned the lesson of the level that you're on right now. So in this lesson of loss, we're, I'm trying to look at what, how the prophet responded. How did Isaiah respond? He said, well, when he died, he said, then I saw the Lord. It is as if those things are attached. It's as if it took the loss of Uzziah, a good king that was good to Isaiah, for him to see the Lord in a new and different way. And maybe the lesson of the level that we're on right now, maybe the loss that you're experiencing in your life right now is God trying to show you himself in a greater way. Maybe God is trying to draw you in closer to him. The song said, nearer, nearer, my God, to thee. Maybe God is trying to draw you nearer unto him. Maybe you've gotten a little too far away. We don't want to talk about that, but maybe we've drifted a little too far away from God. I told you it's sometimes it's not as if we made a large leap away from God, but it's like you're in a boat and then the waves just slowly carry you further away from the shore. And before you look up and think about it, you're a mile away from the shore and didn't even realize it because the waves were slowly and gently pushing you away from the shore. And sometimes that's how it works with God. It's not one great act, but it's just along the way we allow things to slide. We allow things to slip. And before we recognize it, we're further and further away from him. We just stop praying as often as we used to. And we stop reading his word as often as we did. And then maybe we fall away from church a little bit. Or maybe it's just that we come, but we just aren't really trying to experience God in a real way when we're there. But just slowly, we are drifting away from the shore. And just like that boat slowly is pulled away from the shore, so are we slowly and gently pulled away from God if we're not intentional about our walk. That's why the Bible says, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. We have to be vigilant about watching ourselves. We have to be vigilant and diligent in our consecration to God because if we don't, we will slowly drift away from him. And sometimes... God sends a shocking event in your life that just causes you to look up for a minute. 
Sometimes it takes, the, it, it takes the, the high waves to come. It takes the lightning to flash across the sky. Sometimes it takes loss or death or it takes separation in our own lives for us to look up and say, hold on, wait, wait, Lord, what's, what's going on right now in my life? Where am I and, and how close am I to you right now? If we're not vigilant in our walk with God, sometimes we'll drift away and it takes an event like that to look, for us to look up and say, Lord, I need to be nearer to you. God, I need to be closer to you. Learn the lesson of this level and maybe loss is trying to teach you something. Point at somebody and say, maybe loss is trying to teach you something. What am I learning the lesson of this level? And maybe God has allowed this situation in my life so that I can draw nearer to him. So the, we have to look at how the prophet here, Isaiah, how he responded in his life to the lesson of loss. For, uh, the next, that takes me to 1 Samuel 30 and 6. In 1 Samuel 30 and 6, we find David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him. Because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened or encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Many of us are familiar with this text. We understand that they had, the enemy had burned down, the Amalekites had burned down Ziklag, and they had taken away the women and the children to their own camp. And David found himself here amidst his soldiers, and the soldiers were thinking of stoning him because it was David's idea who had taken the warring men out of the camp to go war in other places. So they blame David for this loss. So then David finds himself in the middle of a burning camp with the women and children gone and his soldiers thinking of killing him. And it says, then David encouraged himself in the Lord. Sometimes the marker in our lives that teaches us, that moves us, is when we're cornered and out of options. We're cornered and we're out of options. That's where David was. David was cornered and he was out of options. And you don't have to raise your hand, but I know somebody out there understands that. You've been in a situation in your life where you felt like you were cornered and you were out of options. Which way do I turn? Which way do I go in the middle of what I'm suffering? But David understood that the first thing that I do is that I pray. I get down on my knees and I pray and I inquire of God as to what I should do. I encourage myself in God. I trust in God. When he's saying I encourage him, he's encouraging himself. He's trusting in God that God has allowed him to come to this place. And you know what? It looks bad right now. But the good thing is I know that God has not left me right here. And, and some of you might be right there. You're cornered and it looks like you're out of options. But I want to let you know that God knew you would get there. God won't leave you by yourself. And whatever, however lonely you feel, I want you to understand is God is right there with you. Point at somebody, tell them God. God is right there with you. No matter how low it you may seem, no matter how alone you may feel, no matter how out of options it seems like your circumstances are, God is right here with me. So I'm encouraged, not because of who I am, but I'm encouraged because God is with me. Yes, I, I got bad news, but, but God is yet, is yet with me. Yes, they, they took the car, and I, but God is right here with me. Yes, they're laying me off on, on the job, but God is right here with me. I'm encouraged because even though my situation and my circumstances look desperate, I understand that God is right here with me. Somebody just say, say, God is with me. 
God is with you. And sometimes at the point where it seems like you're out of options, that's when you get so desperate that you just go before the Lord, the throne of grace, boldly. Because you have to go boldly because you don't know any other way to go. I'm coming boldly because, Lord, I don't know what else to do. Remember, we talked about the woman with the issue of blood. She, she went to Jesus. Why? Because she was out of options. David prayed, and he was on his knees and encouraged himself in, in God because he was out of options. He did not know what else to do but to pray and to go to God. I, I, I'm out of options, and, and because when I'm out of options, that's when I know that I need God's help. <laughs> See, sometimes we, we, we feel like we're prospering, and we feel like we have a lot of options. I, I can do this, or I can do that, or I can go there. But when we're in the corner and we're out of options, that's when David said, I lift my, my eyes to the hills from what's coming my help, because I understand that all my help cometh from the Lord. Joseph, when he's down in the pit and his brothers have thrown him down, he, they, he has no other way to look but up. Because when you're cornered and you're out of options, the only thing you can do is look up. So God sometimes allows us to be surrounded by our circumstances in our mind so we understand that the only place I can look is up and looking to God. When you're cornered and you're out of options, that is an opportunity. That's an opportunity for me to trust God with this situation. It's an opportunity for me to allow, allow God to provide a solution because I serve a God who is faithful, who will not suffer me to be tempted above, that I am able, but will with the temptation make a way of escape so that I'll be able to bear it when I am weak. There I, therefore, I'm strong because I'm trusting God with this situation. I'm cornered, and it looks like, somebody say it looks like, it looks like I'm out of options, but I know that my God operates in impossible situations. There, is there anything that is too hard for God? In fact, Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. And he said, and nothing shall be impossible to you. God, Dad would say, man's extremity is God's opportunity. What God has done is created a situation where you have to look to him. I told you, sometimes you all, you're just not praying big enough. God has put you in a situation where he's going to make you pray big. I wish I had help here. He's gonna, I wish somebody was with me, had, had a little faith on this. He's going to make you pray big. You can't pray small out of this situation. You got to pray big on this. I, 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 there's an amount of money. I can't get it by myself, but I, I, God's going to make me pray big out of this. Y'all ain't going to help me. The, the doctor said this situation can't be cured. There's no way out of this. God's put me in a situation where I'm going to have to pray big out of this. I wish I had some help here. They, they got some charges on my children. I don't, I don't know how they're going to get out of them. They're, they're sitting in jail, and I don't see how they're going to get out of this thing. But God is going to make me pray big out of this situation. He said, don't cower down and look small, but this is your opportunity to pray big. Somebody say pray big. God is teaching me in, in this moment that I just need to pray bigger. It's not that I'm small. It doesn't matter how small I am, but I can pray big. Uh, talk to me, David. David was sitting there in front of Goliath, and Goliath said, Who are y'all to bring to me this little dog with his sticks? But David said, I pray it in the, I don't come in my own name, but he said, I come in the name of the Lord, and in the name of the Lord, he said, I'm going to require your life of thee, not because of how big I am, but he said, I know how to pray big. Somebody say, I know how to pray big. 
And sometimes God is surrounding you and cornering you and to put you in a situation where you have to pray big. Somebody point at your neighbor and say, it's time to pray big. I talked about being lost. I talk, talked about experiencing loss. I talked to you about being cornered and out of options. And then this, this is a time where in 2 Kings 19 and 14, 2 Kings 19 and 14, it says, And Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. Sometimes, I, I, I talked about you being cornered, but sometimes God is causing a destiny moment when you are presented with something that you can't handle by yourself. He intentionally gave you a situation that you can't handle by yourself. And, and God spoke to me through this because some of you got the situation in a letter. You got, let me help somebody. And it says, and Hezekiah received the letter. From the hand of the messengers, don't throw it in the trash, because some of y'all try and throw it in the trash and ignore it. Don't ignore it. He received the letter from the hand of the messengers. He read it, and after he read it, somebody say after, he went to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And the way he looked at it, you have to understand the, the, the situation that he was facing. He was facing the Assyrian army. He was facing an army that one of, the, one of the greatest empires in the history of the world was coming against them. And the man had already told him, we've already conquered everybody around you. It's just a matter of time before we come get you. And when he put it in this letter, Hezekiah said, this situation is too large for me. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take it to the house of the Lord. And lay it before God. Because when the problem's too big for me, then I understand it's not mine. It doesn't belong to me. It belongs to God. Oh, I, I need somebody to, to you, you, somebody got a letter in your house right now. I need you to take that letter to your prayer closet and lay it down before God and say, Lord, this is too big for me. I, I wish you were right here with me. Lord, this is too big for me. It must be for you. It, it, it has my name on it. But Lord, you said if I ask in your name, so I'm taking my name. I wish I'm removing my name from this situation, and I'm going to put your name on it. And you said if I ask anything, in, in your name. And the, the, the songwriter said the problem that I had just couldn't seem to solve. Said I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed. But I just got deeper involved. But he said, I turned it over to Jesus. Then he said, I stopped worrying about it. See, the problem is y'all turn it over and you keep worrying him. What I'm telling you is you haven't really turned it over until you stop worrying about it. You haven't really let it go until you stop worrying about it. The songwriter said the key to the thing is not just turning it over, but to really detach myself from this thing. He said, I stopped worrying about it. Said, I gave it to the Lord and he worked it out. I came to tell somebody right now, you got a letter in your house. You got in your mailbox. When you read it, you said, this is too much. I can't do this by myself. But the Lord said, it's just a test. I'm trying your faith. And he said, if you got big faith, 
you didn't wait but you took that letter and you laid it before me and you said this don't belong to me but you said it belongs to God then you got down in your bed you put your head on your pillow and you went on to sleep because you stopped worrying about it I came to tell somebody you turned it over but God said right now I need you to stop worrying about it just give it to me and you know what the songwriter said it said he worked it out you get your hands off of it don't touch it anymore don't worry about it anymore don't cry about it anymore but turn it over and stop worrying about it and I know the Lord Somebody and say he'll work it out. He'll work it out. He'll you. Somebody say, I know he'll work it out. I know he'll work it out. I'm a witness. I know it for myself that he'll work it out. Hallelujah. 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 So then I, then I, oh, shut up, oh, but then, <laughs> point at somebody else and say, he'll work it out. He'll work it out. Hallelujah. Somebody just got it worked out. They praising him because they know it's already worked out. In fact, somebody just stopped worrying about it. You came in here worrying about it. I wish I had help. You came in here worrying about it, but somebody just dropped it off. And the reason they praised him is because they dropped it off. And they're not worrying about it. Somebody point at somebody and say, I just dropped it off. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But then I went over to 1 Kings 19 and 19. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let her keep on praising. She got her help right there. I got to help somebody else though. Don't worry about it. Let her keep on praising. Because if I hadn't gotten to you, I'm coming around your street. First Kings 19 and 19 says, So he departed from there and found Elisha the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. And he was with the 12. Then Elisha passed by him and threw his mantle on him. He threw his mantle on him. Threw his mantle on him. I, I, let, let, let me get some help with it. Come here, Brother Mason. Sometimes God will put something on you that's bigger than you. 
Stand right there, Brother Mace. See, what he did, he went out into the field where Elisha was plowing. And Elijah put his mantle on him. He put something on him that he had to, well, let me do it right. He put something on him that he first had to take off of himself. He took it off of himself and he put it on him. Brother, I might be speaking in the prophetic while I'm doing this. <laughs> he put his mantle on him. He put something on him that was bigger than him that he didn't even think that he was ready for. He's symbolically taking his anointing off of him and putting that anointing on Elisha. And Elisha looked and he said, he's in the field, but I, I don't need... Go, go to you. See, give Brother Mason a hand. But let me give you this because somebody needs to get this and understand this. He put something on him that doesn't help him with what he's currently doing. Mm. Oh, let, let that sink in for him. He put a mantle on him. Elisha doesn't need a mantle to keep plowing. I, I don't need a mantle to keep plying. This, this doesn't help me with what I'm doing. And, and what I need you to understand is that sometimes God puts something on you that, that, that doesn't help you on the level that you're at. But the, what he's putting on you is pulling you into another dimension that you may not have even expected. Oh, oh, let me say that again. God, he's pulling, he's, he's putting something on you that doesn't make sense where you are. Some of you right now, you're in a situation and God has given you something. He's, he's given you a word. Somebody told you something is going to happen in your life and it doesn't make sense for where you are. But what God is doing, he's putting something on you that is going to help you in a dimension that you don't even imagine. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above and beyond all that I can ask a thing this mantle doesn't make sense I don't need this mantle to plow this field but God is calling me out of where I am into another dimension uh, we were at high ground the other Sunday and I told you about the tadpole I told you the tadpole is sitting there swimming in the water but while the tadpole is swimming in the water it does not make sense that the tadpole who's a fish at this point begins to grow legs. I don't need legs on this level. The legs don't help me swim. They don't help me on this dimension. But God is putting something on me that is calling me out of where I am into where he wants me to be. And I want you to know because I need somebody to understand because somebody is thinking you're drowning on the level that you're in. You're not drowning, baby. You're transitioning. You're drowning because it, your, your, your gills are going away. And you're starting to grow lungs. And the gills worked on this level. But you need lungs on the... I wish you were here with me. The lungs work on, on the next level. And the reason I need legs while I'm still in the water is because when I jump out of the water, then I'll be able to breathe. I'm drowning on this level because God has already caused me to graduate. I wish you were here with me from where I am. But he needs to take me where he wants me to go. And I can't breathe if I stay here. But he gave me legs so I can jump out of 
The natural doesn't make sense on this level, but it is evidence that God, I wish you were here with me. What that thing that doesn't make sense in your life that God gave you, God said that is evidence. Somebody say evidence. The thing that he put on you that, that doesn't make sense on this level, it's evidence that God is trying to draw you out of where you are and he's taking you to another level. And when you get to the next level, you say, mm, this makes sense now because the evidence doesn't make sense while you're on that level. But when you get to the next level, the evidence of what God gave you is going to make sense. I'm trying to help somebody. Somebody right now in your life, you're praying about something that don't make sense. I want you to understand God through the mantle on you. And it doesn't make sense on this level. But God said, I'm taking you higher. Somebody say higher. God's taking me higher. The, the, the legs don't make sense in the water, but the, the legs are going to help me run away from my predators on the next level because God's taking me higher. I, I can't breathe on this level because my, my, my gills are gone and he's giving me lungs, but the lungs are going to help me breathe on the next level. And, and some of you right now, you're, you're, you're tired of the folks that are coming after you. You're tired of the folks that are digging ditches on you. I came to give somebody a word of relief. I want to let you know they can't breathe on your next level. I take you with me. Some of you are going to have to leave some friends, but, 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 but don't get mad about it. But baby, I take you with me, but, but if you went with me, it'd kill you because this next level don't work with gills. You need to have lungs on this level, and since you don't have lungs, I'm not trying to leave you, but I can't stay in a place where I can't breathe. And some of y'all, God's giving you a word, but you surround yourself with folks that are still sucking up water, and you can't suck water anymore. You gotta breathe oxygen. So you surrounding yourself with people who are in the water and you in the water holding your breath about to drown. God said come out from amongst them and be ye separate, said the Lord. He said you are royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a peculiar people who've been called out of the darkness into the marvelous light. Stop closing your mouth and trying to breathe on a level that I called you out of. I need you to use your legs, jump out of the water, and use your lungs because you can't breathe where you are because I need you to come out. I need you to come out. Somebody point at your neighbor and say, it's time to come out. It's time, it's time, it's time, it's time. It's time to come out. It's time, it's, it's time to come out. It's time to come out. Somebody touch a point at somebody and say, it's time to come out. Yeah. But then that took me over to 1 Samuel 17, 26. You're going to see all of these are related. They, they are related. I, I told you about a problem that was too big. Well, first I told you you were cornered. You were cornered and out of options. That made you have to pray bigger. When you prayed bigger, that took you to a problem that was too big, that you had to lay it out before the Lord. And then when the problem's too big, you said, God will lay something greater that's on you. That was too big. God said he's putting something bigger that's on you. 
And now he told you he's putting something bigger on you and you need to come out from where you are. And this one in 1 Samuel 17, 26, somebody say it's time to step up. It says, then David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? See, sometimes when it's time for you to come out, God creates a space that nobody else has stepped up to. I want you to get this. Some of you all right now in your life, you're wondering what God wants you to do next. The reason what he's showing you is a hole. He's showing you a hole. He's showing you a hole that nobody else has filled. He's showing you a a step that is empty that nobody else has stepped up. He's showing you a vacancy. I wish you would get this. He's showing you a vacancy that he wants you to step up to, even though nobody else around you wants it. Mm. I'm going to help somebody specifically here prophetically. There is a, a position, and you're dealing with some folks who aren't qualified for the position, and you know what they're doing? They're discouraging you from stepping up to it because they know they can't do it. Oh, that was specific. That was prophetic to somebody. You, that, that you're hanging with some folks. The position is open. It's an elevation. It's a step up. But everybody else around you is saying, baby, I wouldn't take that. Baby, I wouldn't do that. I, 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 I wouldn't try that. God has created this vacancy for you, but you hanging with the fish who's still breathing with the gills. And because you hanging with them, you're not ready to step up. The next level requires you to have lungs. And God gave you lungs. Point at somebody and say, God gave you lungs. God gave you lungs, and because they can't breathe on that level, they're telling you not to step up to that position because they can't imagine you occupying a position where they can't breathe. Because, see, folks, they happy for you as long as you're on their same level. They'll encourage you as long as you're on their same level. They'll give you high fives as long as you're on their same level, but you step up and try and be their boss. The hardest folks to supervise are the folks you already knew. I wish I got, I should have got a whole lot of amens right there. The folks that you already knew on the previous level are the hardest folks to supervise on the next level because they knew you back then. Come on, talk to me in here. And somebody, and those people who already knew you, it's hard for them. You know what they don't want to do? It's not like Facebook. It's not, it's, it's not digital, but it's more old school. It's like, it's like a picture. They took a photograph of you on the level they met you on, and they're too lazy to change that photograph. That's the picture that they have of you, and they don't want to take that picture off the wall. They want you to stay right where they put you. I put you right here. This is where you fit in my life. You're my friend that's on my, on my level. Some of you might think, they might think of you as the friend that, that's not as good as I am. Come on, talk to me. And they put a, made a picture, they put you on their wall, and they want you to stay where they put you on the wall. 
Some of you, you haven't stepped up because you're allowing somebody else to, to cast their image of who you are. You look at yourself in the mirror and baby, you've changed over the years, but they're looking at you with this picture and they're looking at it and putting it in your face and they're saying, this is who you are. Oh, I wish I had, <laughs> I should have had a few more amens on that. This is who you are. And if you, and if you talk to them long enough, I give you some hints on folks who don't know that you've changed. Folks who don't want you to change. You know what language they use? They use language like, I knew you back when. They say stuff, I knew you when you had nothing. I knew you, I helped you get, uh, I helped you get this job. So since they helped you, they cast a picture of you on the wall. Is this is the person that I helped? So they're beneath where I am. And I'm too lazy to change that picture. So when a promotion opens up, I'm going to tell you, baby, you don't, you don't want that. And the reason you don't want it is because I'm too lazy to change the image of who you are on my wall. Well, I, I came to tell some haters and whoever else is in your life, take my picture down. The picture of who I was is holding you back from seeing where God has brought me now. Yeah, baby, you knew who I was six years ago. But baby, I've grown up a little bit. I'm not where I was six years ago. I'm not who I was ten years ago. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought when Jesus came into my life. And the word says, behold. In other words, look. All things have become new. I, I, I'm not the same that I used to be. I don't, I don't look the same. I don't walk the same. And baby, the only reason we're having a problem right now is I don't think the same. I don't think how I used to think. So baby, I need you to take my picture off your wall and look at me for who I am right now. I'm not a tadpole anymore, baby. I've grown some legs and some lungs in this thing, and I came to tell you it's not personal, but I got to leave you where you are. And I got to go be the picture of who God says I am. God says I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I, I can't stay in the picture of who you said I am because I'm too busy trying to fake, face the image of who God says I am. Somebody say, I am what God says I am. I'll be everything God says I'll be. And somebody say I'll have. Somebody say I'll have. Everything that God says I'll have. I'm not going to wait and try to distort myself into the image of who you think I am. But I have to be everything that God says I am. And I'm going to receive. Somebody say everything. Oh, come on, say it like you mean to say everything. Everything that God has for me. Everything. God, it's time to step up. David saw that the, the king, the other soldiers were too afraid to step up. But David said, I'm not the shepherd boy that you want to send back home. But David said, you need to update my profile. <sighs> Come on in here. Every once in a while, Facebook, it has a little, I wish I, wish I would hear me. It ha, 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 has a little button on it. It has a little picture on it. And if you click the picture, it says, do you want to change your profile picture? And some of y'all need to update. 
Come on in here with me. You need to update your profile picture. You know why I need you to update it? It's not for other folks, because I need you to look at it, because I need you to see what God sees. Uh, come on in here now. Some of you, you stuck where you are because you still see yourself how other people see you. But if I'm going to walk into what God has for me, I have to see myself the way that God sees me. I, I challenge you. It's time to point at somebody and say, update my profile. <laughs> David stepped into a situation where no one else stepped up, and I'm finished here. But finally, it took me to Luke 1 and 41. We were talking about how other people see you, but that's not always negative. Luke 1 and 41 says, and it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. You have to understand that David, uh, that, that, that Mary was pregnant with no earthly father. So, you know, people were going to give her the side eye. Come on now. Some of y'all would have given her the side eye. She ain't, she ain't married yet. Come on, what's going on right here? She, got, she already got a baby. But the angel had told her that this was of the Holy Spirit. So, so she had heard that from an angel. She'd heard it from an angel. But then she goes to her cousin Elizabeth's house. And when John jumps in her womb, and Elizabeth tells her that at the sound of your voice, it was, Jesus couldn't speak. It was the sound of Mary's voice. At the sound of Mary's voice, it quickened what was in Elizabeth. And the baby jumped up because it knew that Jesus was there. So you think that that didn't help Jesus. Jesus wasn't even born yet. That, you know who that helped? That helped Mary. Mary needed confirmation. That's what we're talking about right here, confirmation. Somebody say confirmation. Mary was needing confirmation that what she had in her was from God. So when John left in Elizabeth's womb, that was confirmation to Mary that what I have in me is from God. And I came to tell somebody, somebody in here, God's about to send you evidence through confirmation. Somebody say confirmation. Sometimes it's easier for other people to see what's in you than for you to see it yourself. Sometimes other people see what's on you before you even see it. That's why some of you got enemies at work and you don't even know them. Because they see what's in you even though you don't see it. They see, they recognize the God in you even when you don't recognize it. You know who the first people were to recognize what was in Jesus? It was the people who had demons. Oh, I, I tried to just help you if you called it. The people who recognized what was in Jesus before anybody else recognized it were the people who had demons. Jesus walked into the synagogue one day, and there was a man in the back who was vexed with a demon, and he walked, his mouth had to open up and said, what have I to do with thee, Jesus, thy son of the most high God? The other people even didn't recognize who he was, but the man possessed with the demon recognized what was in Jesus and said, don't trouble me. Don't, don't cast me out. Don't, don't bother me. What have I to do? 
do with what I know is in you. And sometimes the friction you have at work with folk that you don't even know is the demon in them saying, what? I wish you were here with me. Don't bother me over here. Don't don't come and mess with me. I I was working here first. Now you're trying to come in and and trouble what's in me. The reason I'm troubled is because I see what's in you. I see it and you don't even see it. You walking around sad and crying and I'm, I'm frustrated because I see what's in you. Uh, you worried about how you're going to pay your bill, but, I, but I'm sitting here shaking in my boots because I recognize that you have something powerful in you. The reason I'm trying to talk behind your back and get you fired is because my spirit gets troubled every time you're in the break room when I'm in here. I, I, I need you to leave this place. I, I'm not comfortable with your spirit because every time you walk in and I hear your voice like Elizabeth heard Mary's voice, something on the inside of me uh, gets troubled because of what's on the inside of you. Uh, But I came to tell you, baby, stay right there uh, because the same way they're troubled, uh, there's somebody in that place uh, who's struggling with who they are and then one day uh, you're going to open your mouth uh, and the God that's in you uh, is going to cause the baby that's in them uh, to jump up and leave uh, and they're going to say, what must I do uh, to be saved? I'm telling you, there's something in you that's powerful. There's something in you that has the power. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is it sitting in you. So why am I worried that my water bill's late? Why am I worried they won't take my phone calls? Why am I worried my finances aren't coming together? Why am I worried if I'm sick in my body? Because the same spirit that was in Jesus raised him up from the grave so whatever be not dismayed whatever be time God will somebody say God will somebody say God will God will take care of you everybody standing on your feet God will God will Help us on this week, Lord. 
guide us on this week, Lord. Lead us and direct us in the way that you'd have us to go. Whatever we're facing, Lord, help us to learn the lesson of this level. You're preparing us for where you desire us to go. Strengthen our faith, Lord. Help us to examine the evidence and walk in the way that you'd have us to go. And Lord, we know that we will walk victorious. We'll walk in victory. We'll walk as conquerors. We'll overcome whatever is placed before us. Not because of who we are, but because you're abiding in us. And we claim all these things in our son Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. For those of you who've been watching us online, we pray that you live by faith until we shall see you again. I hope and pray that each of you were touched and inspired by our service today. If you wish to partner with us, you can do so by Give a Fire. Download the app on Apple Store or Google Play and search for Bright Temple. If you wish to partner with us on Cash App, just look for Bright Temple in the two line. And in the four line, tell us the purpose of your gift. If you would rather mail your gift, you can mail us at Bright Temple, Post Office Box 453, Shelbyville, Tennessee, 37162. Thanks in advance for your generosity, and we pray God's blessings on you and your gift.